The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Inflation is a risk that all retirees face, and it sure has felt risky lately. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Retire with Style. I'm Wade, and I'm joined by Alex, and today as well by Bob French. And we're going to be talking about inflation, but it's been a long time since I've been on the show. Alex, uh, I was on summer vacation, and Alex took care of things and had a great series on reading the ADV of a financial <laughs> planning firm. And I actually wow, that's like reading the phone book. <laughs> yeah, it was. I could tell Alex was having to be patient to get through every single part of the ADP. Oh, but come it was on, definitely man. a very interesting series of episodes. I learned a lot. Did you really? Or are you just saying meaningful. that? I've, I've referred people to it already. So, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that a lot of folks just want to know. Okay, what am I getting into when mm-hmm. when using an advisor? And I, I don't think they realize that there is actually a codified pamphlet, that brochure, that advisors have to give to folks to make them more informed. And it's one of those things that the realization is, I don't think anyone really reads this, and they actually should. And mm-hmm. so we just forced the issue a little bit, and now it's in the archives. So it, it's one of those things. Now, Wade, I, mm-hmm. I, do say, I, I do think, like the folks listening in, they were like, oh, okay, uh, Alex and Wade, and, you know, now it's just Alex. And I wonder how many of them thought to themselves, <laughs> man, why couldn't it just be just Wade and Alex go on vacation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you the, did have a vacation, gym. too. But the summer <laughs> is over, so no more vacations. And we are back back for the fall season. <laughs> nice, <laughs> This is nice. really the, the season premiere in that regard. And, of course, we've got Bob French for those key ratings in the demos and the That's right. Nielsen ratings and everything else with the, with Sweeps <laughs> Month. So <laughs> it's September yeah. Sweeps. We've got the heavy hitters, and we're all here. <laughs> Bob, do you and see what's going on? About- do you see? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wayne is flexing his comedic he muscle. Is. Oh, my goodness. He is. It's uh- – that you was know, nice. I'm way. not saying anything. I'm just saying, you know, we can we can look at the comments we get here. <laughs> it's sweeps week. Yes. Hey, by the way, I, I binged on One Piece. Oh, the new live action one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the anime is great. It's like one of the all time greats, and my kids got me into that. And then they had the live action, so I, I had to see it. It's pretty good for uh, for those of you scoring at home. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I have yet to watch any live action versions because they had well, Cowboy they Bebop it. as well. That yeah, they they kind of yeah. run away from those the kids, but I don't know. I, I'm not a, a snob, <laughs> live action snob. I thought it was a pretty good actually. But you're making a pop culture reference about something that happened since the 1970s. I'm I'm impressed, and that's going to come up in today's episode, being on inflation. Wow. Alex with all nice his references in the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, not only was it a segue, but he took a dig at me and everything. Oh my goodness! This yeah, guy but you're the is only like, one who came out swinging. 
But other than the last couple of years, Alex is the only one who has inflation in his living memory. So he's going to have to tell us young people what, what, <laughs> what oh it's all goodness. about. Wade really has been resting here. He's, he's saved this all up. <laughs> he's just, he's been like, let me call Alex. No, no, let me write it down and wait for the podcast. No, 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 let me write this down and wait for the podcast. <laughs> he's got yeah, a lot of emails that are like, routine. note to self. Note to self. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, wait. You, you had a you you had a great transition. Go on. We're never making. We're, this is going to be like ten episodes on inflation. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about inflation, and that is a, something that for many people, it's we haven't really seen much of it since well the the mid early to mid 1980s until the last couple of years we were reintroduced to the idea of inflation but bob uh, is is putting together a series of discussions that he's going to be doing with the retirement researcher community with mclean asset management and so we thought it'd be great to have bob on to provide us a preview of all that and to have a little arc it's going to be a, a few episodes we never know in advance how many exactly but uh, <laughs> we're going to get started today to talking about inflation and the role and the importance of inflation on financial planning and of course with a particular focus on retirement income as well but today partly will be for setting the stage of what inflation is how it's measured some of the different types of CPI indices. We'll have a little quiz on the CPIU and CPIW and CPIE and so forth. And, and just really get a sense of what inflation's looked like historically as well. So welcome back to the show, Bob. We've not had you in a while. It's great to have you here it's again. It's been a little while. Thank you. So um, yeah, as, as Wade just said, you know, uh, well, actually, when this comes out, tomorrow we'll be having uh, in the Retirement Researcher Academy our, our workshop on managing inflation in your retirement plan. But we wanted to kind of talk about this here because, well, it's a really big topic. And it's been, as Wade just said, top of mind in a way that it has not been for the past 30, maybe even 40 years. Um, so it's something that people are starting to really kind of grapple with, you know, and it's something, Wade, you actually called this out a little while back in your Seven risks of retirement planning. This is one of those big seven risks. So we need to be able to deal with it um, and work with it effectively because it is a fact of life. And what we want to do is kind of start with what is inflation? Why does it exist? What does it even, even mean? Um, and how do we kind of understand what it might look like going forward? So... You know, I, I think everyone kind of gets inflation to a certain degree. You know, it's prices are going up. That's inflation. And it's actually not a horrible definition of it. It's, you know, the <laughs> cost of goods and services is going up. You need to give someone more money for the same amount of stuff that you had to give them less money for in the past. Now, Wade, with your economics PhD, I'm sure you can give a more precise definition yeah, that, that's kind of right. I mean, wait. No, you you got it. <laughs> yeah, it's just the the change in the price level over time, and we yeah. generally just think of inflation as being a positive number that prices are increasing over time. Uh, yep. That doesn't have to be the case. You can have deflation, which can be very damaging to an economy as well as we'll we'll talk about a little bit. But uh, 
deflation would be the price level is decreasing over time. Mm -hmm. We don't see as much of that, although Japan would be an example of a country that has experienced deflation in recent history. In U.S. history, to see deflation, it goes back more to before the Federal Reserve discovered monetary policy and it was more yeah. the gold supply in the world and so forth determined the price levels and, and all that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah. that that's pretty much what inflation is. It doesn't really have to get any more technical. Yeah. No. So, um, and, so could well, it get okay. less technical? Could it get less technical? <laughs> Yesterday's price is not today's price. That's right. <laughs> Um, and the other one I want to call out there is, you know, a lot of the times people talk about shrinkflation, where instead of changing prices, they change, you know, the volume of something, you know, your candy bars get smaller. Um, <laughs> that's also a form of inflation. Uh, and actually, we'll talk about this later, but it is picked up in the more formal measures. You know, the CPI Bob, does that numbers. happen when you go in the water? <laughs> it's shrinkage. Um, that's a 1990s cultural reference. That's right. We're, I'm getting better. Around. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Wait. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna settle. Like Alex, when did you graduate high school? That's that's about the time period we're gonna settle on here. I think 1990. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, no, I think Seinfeld was a little late there, so you got to pull it back. I think um, it premiered about that time. But um, you know, one of the other things to, to call out: inflation is a massively political topic, and you know, it, it's been massively political since money has existed. You know, you you hear about like ancient kings and through the Middle Ages debasing their currency or debasing their coinage. That was inflation. Um, there's a lot of other stuff going on there, but that was inflation. You know, as we've gotten into more kind of a debt-based economy, um, you know, it's even more important. You know, Wade, you're, you're from the Midwest, so you probably learned all about this, but the cross of gold speech, you know, that whole time period, William Jennings Bryan and all that type of stuff, that was explicitly about inflation. That was the big political issue of the time. How do you deal with that? It was around, you know, being on the gold standard, um, you know, whether that was a good or a bad thing, but that was almost exclusively, there was some trade stuff going on there with it as well, but that was about inflation. That was about, you know, how do we want to grow the money supply? And those yeah, fights, yeah, that's over. exactly, bimetallism. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and that stuff continues on to today. And that's something we're not going to deal with too much, um, you know, because it, you can tell a story on both sides and all we're going to do is make one side angry or make both sides angry, most likely, uh, if we start getting into that. So we're going to we're going to punt uh, and just pretend uh, we don't need to talk about it. So wait, he said punt. That's not the word we settled on. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, he even I, has it here. Well, Bob likes to write meticulous yeah. notes and he has lampshade interlude. He literally called it that. Yeah, <laughs> lampshade. Lamp, <laughs> lampshade interlude. 
Yeah. I, I was waiting <laughs> yeah, for you to do this part, part Alex. So. <laughs> no, I'll stop because now, okay. now you're now you're playing me. <laughs> yeah, no, like I heard puppet. of gaslighting, but not lampshading before Bob <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. introduced this term yeah. to us the other day. Yeah, yeah. Bob's but like Gipetto. <laughs> That's right. But then I noticed in the notes, Bob does bring it up again later. Maybe it's worth just getting the little I, yeah, out of the way now. Together. I was figuring we would drift back in there. But and um, about the political stuff? It's just a reference to supply and demand. Like yeah. you know, supply and demand determines prices and part of the political argument is what does it work? There is is it because of the increasing demand for goods and services generated by government fiscal policy being like very expansionary? Or is it because of a decreasing supply of goods and services because of all the different bottlenecks and so forth that yeah. were happening with the pandemic and its aftermath? And, and ultimately, it's going to be a combination of factors. It's not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. And there it's said, now we can lampshade it. Using <laughs> Bob's well, that, that's probably going a little too much depth being be true lampshading here, Wade. So. <laughs> um, but no, we no, can but, actually talk about that now. I mean, this, this is a, as good a place as any. So. I'll say it like this, because, you know, if I tell my buddies, hey, listen to this podcast, we're talking about inflation. You know, a lot of them are going to be like, they're coming, they're going to be thinking because it's so politicized, they're going to be thinking in those terms. What's what's your general argument, both of you, when someone sort of points to inflation and then draws a line to the current administration? It could be conser- a conservative administration. It could be more of a liberal. It, it could be a Republican. It could be a, a Democrat. What What do you usually say? Without the simple answer of, oh, it's, there's so many variables, who can tell? Or it could be, that could be the answer. <laughs> but when you say it like that, well, but when you say it like that, the, the reality is, I think our listeners kind of blow it off like, oh, he doesn't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? I, I think there's yeah. always that component to it. And so. Wait, I'm do curious. you want to take first wing or do you want me to? <laughs> and don't oh, worry, wait, no one's listening. Go first. <laughs> Guests go first. Um, first. Look at this guy. Sure. So the first thing I'll say, and we'll we'll touch on this, uh, you know, at some point here, but inflation is back around its historical average. You know, the past year over year inflation up to this point, it's about three percent. The historical average is about two point nine five percent per year. So we're that's about as average as it gets. If we're looking at, you know, the big numbers that we saw, you know, basically coming out of the pandemic, it was 2021 and 2022 where we had really big inflation. I'd say that there were 7% range. Yeah. Yeah. The big numbers. Um, And especially if you're looking at kind of intra-year type of inflation, instead of using kind of January to December, if you look, I forget exactly which ones it was, but there were some real big numbers in there. Um. What Wade was talking about is is absolutely right. There were two sides going on here. So, you know, during the pandemic, we had all of those stimulus programs. The government was actively throwing money at the economy. They were just dumping money into people's hands. And, you know, during the height of the pandemic, we weren't really spending it. But then once we started coming out, we started spending a lot. You know, people didn't save that money for the long term. They went out and did stuff, which was the entire point of those stimulus programs. So that's one side of the equation, pushing up price levels because there was just more money in the economy. The other side, 
um, was production. There was fewer goods and services available. You know, people, well, they weren't working during the pandemic as much. Uh, supply chains got screwed up. It was more difficult to transport stuff. So there was less stuff to buy. So we had a situation where there was more money chasing fewer goods. Well, as Wade said, that's supply and demand. You know, you're going to need to give someone more money to get the same amount of goods and services. And the political fight is going to be which side dominated, which side or not dominated. That's the wrong word. Which side had a bigger impact? And then how does that move forward from today? Um, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to have really big inflation anytime soon. And we'll talk about how we have no, again, is too strong of a word, but, you know, have some inkling of what inflation might look like going forward, um, you know, a little bit. But the market is saying inflation is going to be actually below average for the foreseeable future. That can always change. That will always change, but it might change in either direction. Yeah, that's the in market way, estimate right now. No, no, I think you covered that quite well. Yeah, that's it's the end of the day. There's many different factors at work, and and all this is part of what's going on. Uh, and we had gotten used to very low inflation mm -hmm. going back to like. 2010 through the yep. pandemic, where we were average even, even under 2% a year. And so when I wrote the first edition of the retirement planning guidebook, I was talking about adjusting numbers into their real purchasing power when you're doing your budgeting. And it hardly made a difference if the inflation rate's like 1.3% or 1.9%. Yep. But then we got hit with the 2020 and 2021 with significantly higher inflation. And then suddenly it does make a big difference because... If you spend $100,000, say, just to make up a number, in 2018, uh, the purchasing power to be able to do that now could be you know, $115,000 or, or more just because of those big inflation numbers that we experienced. So it becomes a lot more important to think about purchasing power and, and making sure that you're adjusting for the impacts of inflation now that we have a couple of years of, of high inflation numbers in there. But as you're saying, now markets are, it looks like, Inflation is coming back under control and is more in line right now with historical averages. But as we'll talk about as well, when we look at what the market provides to us to understand what future inflation might be, the market is not expecting um, that historical average inflation even below below historical averages, somewhere more in the ballpark of two to two and a half percent over the long term. Yeah. And we'll talk about where that comes from. But, but yeah, that, that's really where we are today. But we don't want to skip the whole definition of, I mentioned the CPIU and so forth. And so <laughs> let, let's make All sure we cover some of Bureau that. Bureau of Labor Statistics stuff. So, um, but right. Alex, I cut you off there as well. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, effectively, I was going to say that when you said the market's not, not telling you about, the market's not signaling inflation. Remember, that's just a current estimate of what's happening right mm -hmm. now of all the players. Random information will come in, and that's definitely going to change the yeah. estimate. But as of right now, what, everything that is known, this is everyone's best guess. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, anytime we talk about market estimates, basically the only number you know it will not be is whatever the market is currently estimating. Um, but that's kind of the, that's the center line. We don't know if it's going to be too high or too low, or the number will go up or go down. That's the life we chose. 
That's right. <laughs> Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. So, but before, um, CPU, let's, let's have gone. Sorry, wait. Or, and also just uh, like the idea of inflation in general, that actually, what is a good inflation rate for the economy? I guess would be a, <laughs> a, a way to frame that. We don't necessarily want the inflation rate to be zero, right? There's, there yeah, can be the advantages. No, yeah, that's a good point. The balance between inflation and deflation. Yeah. I mean, that's... I think asking that is one of those loaded questions in economics. Um, but, you know, it's above zero. Um, you know, a small handful of percent, I think, is probably a fair way of saying it. I don't think too many people would disagree with that. But it's it's really about finding that Goldilocks zone. You know, obviously, we don't want massive inflation. You know, if we had 10% inflation every year, that's not a good thing. But deflation is is really, really bad, as, as you said, Wade. I mean, think what we want to be doing is thinking about people's incentives to save. So if we are in a deflationary environment where prices are coming down through time, what that ends up doing is people start hoarding their money effectively. They don't spend. They want to wait as long as they possibly can to make a purchase because it will be cheaper at some point in the future. And that's not good. You know, we need people to go out there and spend their money. On the other it hand, it hurts business you know, profit too, because exactly. they, they have to produce the goods. And then when they can finally sell them, they are selling them at a lower price. So yeah. Def, yeah, deflation is really harmful. And so economists and central banks and so forth want to have some positive inflation just to make sure there's a, a barrier so that you don't slide into the deflation side. And, and when I was going through grad school, a lot of the conversation was around inflation targeting. And it seemed at the time, like many central banks were either explicitly or implicitly targeting about a 2% inflation rate, which is what the U.S. in, in the recent past, uh, 2021, 2022 yeah. aside, had been in the range of like, not over 2%. They wanted to keep it under 2%, but close to 2%. And, and that just can provide more flexibility as well, not just to avoid deflation, but we know workers don't like to have wage cuts. But if you keep someone's nominal wage, their, their wage the same, and inflation is 2%, that's a 2% real wage cut. And workers may not complain about a real wage cut, but they definitely complain about a nominal wage cut. And so yep. having some inflation just provides some flexibility in the economy to reduce real prices or real wages in a so manner you're saying that can wage, be much more difficult. So you're saying there's a deep state that's controlling the underlying <laughs> salaries of everyone through this edifice of inflation. Is that is that what you're implying there, Wade? Just that it it creates flexibility for capitalists to cut people's wages without those workers realizing. <laughs> so is that a yes? Yeah, it... <laughs> Something like that. 
you know, on, on a different note, <laughs> this again, okay. anyone with a loan, anyone with a big loan should like inflation because the amount oh, they yeah. have to pay on that loan, assuming it's a fixed loan, goes down every time inflation goes up. Um, you know, speaking of the cross of gold speech, that's what that argument was about. You know, people, farmers who bought or borrowed a ton of money to buy their farm or do whatever they needed, they wanted inflation because the value of that loan went down. You know, the bankers didn't want inflation because the value of their financial asset went down with inflation. Well, well Bob, I, I, whenever you say cross of gold, I think of a Neil, Neil Young song. I think about <laughs> a heart of gold in, in my head. But uh, what, what the, and not everyone is going to know what, cross of gold is and, and neither do I, you know, frankly, I don't know the speech that, that he gave. You want to give a quick 30 seconds, maybe you yeah. shall not crucify um, mankind upon a cross of gold. Well, <laughs> it was, uh, it was only what, 35 minutes. Wait, you probably know the whole thing. <laughs> it, it was uh, the best of times. It was the worst. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, in the he, late 1890s, there, well, in the early 1890s, there was a significant yeah. depression and part of it was, based on the gold standard and the, the the supply of gold was not keeping up with the demand for gold. So it was a deflationary environment. And that hurts at the time farmers who were needing to borrow to get the all the what they need to farm. And then if, if there's deflation, like you said, then they're going to be selling their goods, the, their products at a lower price. So they wanted easier credit, easier an easier monetary supply. And so that's where the whole conversation around silver came into play. And then William Jennings Bryan was the presidential candidate in the, the 1896 election that really took up that kind of populist cause of wanting more expansionary monetary policy. And, and, and really saying it was, it was this idea of like wall street versus the real business people who are doing the real production of goods and services in the economy. And, not wanting to benefit Wall Street at the expense of the farmer and the Main Street business person. So not wanting to crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. That's where the the uh, well, line comes from, 1896. Got you. Well, I am glad that we no longer have that problem between Wall Street and Main Street. <laughs> I'm glad we've we resolved that 100 years, 130 years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing how we solve all of these uh, <laughs> yeah. these major political problems. Yeah, through time. I'm glad we don't we don't, we're not revisiting that anymore. <laughs> all right, thank you, Wade. <laughs> You're welcome. Alex. I'm ready for but my AP test. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, Wade, you grew up in the Midwest. I, I guess that is a uh, a much bigger deal out there. So you, uh, but Honestly, let's jump. I don't think William Jennings Bryan has much play anymore in the he <laughs> of course was, <laughs> I don't think people are talking about him. Really? I don't think the fact that I'm from the Midwest somehow gives me a stronger link. Okay. He was okay. of course also known for the Scopes Monkey trial. He was right. yeah. Oh there we go. Don't worry, Bob, they're the creating a musical. You're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the only two in the audience here. You're gonna love it. <laughs> Um, but let's let's jump in. We we've kind of gone all sorts of different ways here. But why don't we talk a little bit about how we actually measure inflation? Um, so as Wade referred to, there's there's a whole bunch 
of different measures of inflation done by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the CPI, um, and then there'll be some letter after it, but, you know, consumer price index. So what the Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics will do is they'll go out, they'll create a basket of goods and services, just a bunch of stuff that a normal person in whatever category they're looking at would go out and, and buy in their day-to-day life. And then they figure out how much it costs. And then they track that through time, you know, and they, they anchor it at some point and then say, well, this is now in 1981, it cost $100 to buy this stuff. You know, in 1982, it was $103.7 uh, to buy this stuff. And then they just track that through time. Um, and that's that's how we measure inflation. The normal one, uh, or the one that gets talked about a lot, is the CPIU, which is you know, urban. Uh, what's the official wording on this? Wait, it's yeah, all, uh, it's all urban, urban consumers. Yeah, all urban consumers. All urban consumers, and then they have ones for wage earners and you know different areas of the country. Um, but one that's really important for us is the CPIE, which is the the elderly um, urban folks. So they don't have they don't have farmers since that's we've been talking about farmers a lot apparently. But you know, urban wage earners, urban elderly uh, people over sixty two, um, and and everyone. But the CPIU, kind of all urban people, is is mm-hmm. the and that and that's one. the one that the CPIU is what. If you hear CPI yes. on a news report, that's, what, that's what they're talking about. CPIW, just as a trivia note, that's what they use for Social Security. That's the CPIW is urban wage earners and clerical workers, which really makes no sense. Like <laughs> we are using a more <laughs> limited supply of workers for Social Security benefits meant for retirees. But right, the CPIE, it's an experimental index. It doesn't have official status. It just adjusts the basket of goods and services more for what elderly people consume. And so there's more of a weight towards health care expenses, health insurance, and housing. And when those factors have a bigger weight, what we've seen historically is the CPIE index actually increases a little bit faster, a faster clip than the, the CPIU so, index. Though not by nearly as much as I anticipated before I actually looked at the numbers. It's, it's actually a relatively small effect. It's been in place. They have data going back to 1983. Um, And compared to the CPIU, again, that kind of headline inflation type of number, you know, $1 in 1983, you know, it would cost the same amount of goods you could buy for $1 in 1983 using the CPIU uh, up to today was it came out to $3.13. If we're looking at the basket of goods from the CPIE, it was $3.33. So over the past, was that, 40 years, you know, we're talking about a difference of 20 cents on the dollar. So it's not massively different, um, as a lot of people probably would have guessed, as I would have guessed before I went in and looked at the numbers myself. Um, you know, the correlation is, is really high between the two. Absolutely. Yeah, I think part of that is, well, healthcare costs do rise faster than the overall inflation rate. 
But then in yeah. that elderly basket, there's a smaller weighting towards education expenses mm -hmm. and college tuition. And then that's another <laughs> for the general index. Yep. That's another factor that tends to grow faster than the CPI as well. So I think that might be part of the explanation there. Yeah. Why the, the CPI, using the same numbers you mentioned, Bob, that implies for the CPIU since 1983, 2.85% is a average increase versus 3.01% for the I, yep. CPIE. I do think, though, I, I, if you looked at the chart, though, Bob, in, in 2018, around that time, there was a significant spike in the CPIE. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was like yeah. all the pickleball equipment that people were buying. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it's, it's pickleball. I think that added half a percent. I think that added half a percent to the entire CPIE. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, I, I I, on the backs of my mother-in-law too. On the back of my mother-in-law, she's like supporting the whole damn index. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all those, uh going into that healthcare stuff, all those pickleball injuries. So, um, but no, I mean, one of the interesting things is you can slice and dice the numbers, and there's really no difference in the sub periods. Um, you know, there are spikes, and they don't move exactly the same. But over any reasonable length of time, you know, yeah, it's basically the same story. Um, you know, that might change in the future, obviously, especially, um, you know, as well, as Wade called out, both healthcare and education uh, change their inflation rates through time. Um, you know, those are those are probably some of the biggest differences between the CPIU and the CPIE, um, you know. Everyone buys groceries. Everyone, you know, drives. Everyone, you know, does a lot of the same things. But those are going to be the biggest differences in what those baskets look like. So, um, okay. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty similar. And you know, as we've called out, you know, if we take a look at what the historical numbers have looked like, you know, the CPIU, you know, we have data on that going all the way back to twenty six. You know, the historical average was, you know, um, just under three. It was 2.95% on an annual basis. And, you know, what we've been seeing, like we said the, at the beginning, you know, this past year or so, it's about 3%. It's about average. Um, it's about as close to average as anything in finance and economics gets. Are you getting close to or are you in retirement? Well, investing during retirement is a little bit different than during your working years. Your investments are there to help you pay for retirement. And now is when they need to earn their keep. To make sure you're on the right track, download Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by heading over to retirementresearcher.com slash 8 tips. Again, get Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by going to retirementresearcher.com slash eight tips. That's the number eight tips. So, well, we already talked about what happened in 2021 and 2022. So let's start talking a little bit, Wade, about, um, you know, how do we think inflation will move going forward? You know, how do we, you know, we already called out, you know, what we think will happen, but how, how do we get there? How do we know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we want to know expected inflation. What do people expect inflation to be in the future? 
And that used to be a really challenging question until 1997, when the United States government introduced Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, or TIPS, which provide a real rate of return plus whatever inflation ends up being. And then that allows us to see, we can look at treasury yields on traditional treasury bonds and treasury notes and bills and so forth. And then we can look at the real interest rates on tips and look at the difference between them. And that suddenly gives us a pretty good estimate. There may be a few other factors at work, but overall, we have a pretty good sense of what the market is baked in as an inflation rate. Because it's all about the the supply and demand of people looking. If I believe inflation is going to be higher, I want to buy tips to to benefit from that. Then what the maybe we should give a number to to put a little bit of formal uh, okay formalism around that. So Bob, you did put together the current yield curve. It was tips. very very complicated math. It was addition and subtraction here. So. <laughs> But yeah, let's let's look at the 20-year the number from the, the yield curve you put together, which is pretty current right now. Yep. So what's the, the 20-year treasury yield? It was 4.56%. So, yep. so this is just, just for all the compliance <laughs> folks. This is as of uh, 9.5, so the night before we're recording this. The, the nominal 5th, yield on the 20-year treasury was 4.56. Um, the yield on tips was 2.02. So, you know, the expected inflation over the next 20 years, so, you know, just the, the annualized rate over the next 20 years is expected to be 2.54%. So two and a half. So, so just, to, just to level set here to make sure. So if you take the nominal, 4.56, subtract out the tips yield, which you can buy yep. and, and all of that, uh, 2.02, 4.5 minus 2.02 gives you two and a half percent, 2.54%. Yep. So that's the difference is now, why would there be a difference again? Because tips adjust for inflation on a yearly, but it resets for inflation for you. So the, so the market is not going to give you the nominal 20 plus resetting for inflation. So the market subtracts out the expected inflation to make sure that, you know, it's a wash. Right. To be more direct. Yeah, um, it's not the market doing it. It's investors are looking at this and saying, how much am I willing to pay for that inflation protection? So, you know, this is where we get to that marginal investor idea. You know, the marginal investor is willing to pay up to whatever they think inflation will look like over that 20 years and no more. And now, and that's where it, if I'm sorry, an investor in the bond market wanting to buy a, a 20 year treasury, this is where the supply and demand comes into play. If I believe as an investor that inflation will be higher than the two and a half percent, I'd want to buy tips because I would expect them to then provide mm-hmm. a higher yield than uh, treasuries would provide. If I believe inflation is going to be less than two and a half percent, I'd want to buy a traditional treasury because I would expect it to provide a higher overall yield over those next 20 years. And there is definitely, it's not just expectations because there's also the risk component that if, mm-hmm. if I'm trying to fund a spending goal <laughs> that may rise with inflation, uh, even if I, like, I, I may favor the tips because I want that additional inflation protection just in case 
it's going to be more harmful to the retiree if inflation's higher than they expect than if inflation ends up being lower than they expect, although not necessarily deflation, but <laughs> lower than the the 2.5% break-even rate that's available in the market right now. And I did just pull that 20-year case out at random, but then I realized after doing that, that's the, the number that gives us the highest Inflation is expected to be the highest <laughs> over the next 20 years of any of these. All the rest of the break-even numbers are, are under 2, 2.5%. They're more in the ballpark of 2.3%. For them. Even the, over the next 30 years, the baked-in inflation rate in the market right now is a 2.28% annualized inflation rate over the next 30 years. So markets now, are... In, investors participating in the markets are expecting inflation to be lower than that 3% number we see right now and, and lower than the historical average. Yeah. Right, and even going to the other side, the really short term, I mean, we're looking at expect, again, expected, you know, we know basically it's not going to be this, but this is our best guess of 2.3%, you know, again, substantially below the historical or the historical average, substantially below what we've seen. Um, and again, you know, this is especially where we start getting into politics. Um, you know, some people are really going to like that idea. Um, other people are going to, you know, have other stories to tell about that. Well, the, the only thing I would I would add to this is remember, this is a basket of goods. That's not to say you don't mm -hmm. go into the store and see eggs skyrocketing, you know, and then say to yourself, hey, I just heard this podcast. 2.5%. The hell are they talking about? You know what I mean? That, that, that kind of thing. You are going to see pockets of things. So no, because yeah. I, I hear that this is the, this is the, the dinner table conversation where it's not good enough just to say, oh, eggs are high. So inflation is crazy. That, you know, there is all kinds of things that, that happen faster than others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, eggs have started to come back down, but but you're absolutely right. I mean, no, but I, you know what I'm every saying. Every industry has got its own stuff going on. So there yeah. was problems with eggs. You know, I, I it was something with the supply chain. I don't know what it was, no but eggs were really expensive for a little while. Um, now they're coming back down. Next month it could be I don't know yogurt. Uh, it could be you know cars are really expensive right now. Um, you know I'm I'm getting. Met emails from uh, car dealerships asking me to to trade in my car <laughs> now because uh, they want they want people to come do stuff because prices are really high because the car supply chain is really screwed up right now. But you know that's always been true. Um, there's always something going on. You know something's really cheap, something's really expensive. But inflation is a broad issue, or at least how we really should be thinking about it is a broad issue. You know, what's the component, what's the whole goods and services that we're, we're buying? Okay. What are we actually paying to live rather than each individual item? All right. So Bob, what do we do with, so we laid the groundwork for inflation. Where do we take this on this retire with style podcast? That's right. So, you know, the next question obviously is, okay, inflation exists. What do we do about it? Because as much fun as it is to talk about economic history, um, you know, that doesn't do much for your retirement plan. So, you know, the next episodes, um, you know, we want to start digging into, you know, how do we deal with it? How do we build our plan 
to accommodate the fact that there is inflation? How do we build that so that we can have the life we want without, you know, not running out of money, but not having as much money as we want to spend, having our real purchasing power reduced through time? Um, and, you know, there's going to be different approaches. You know, we're going to, as you might imagine, we're going to be talking about this in terms of the Risa quadrants, um, you know, how different people might want to approach that problem. That's yeah, a great angle. That's great. <laughs> so there we've got a reason for people like to that tune one. in next so. week. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks, I don't like Bob, for I helping us it. introduce. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wait. Alex is excited for the next episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll continue the series next next time on Retire with Style. We'll get deeper into how to manage inflation as part of a retirement income plan. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining us, Bob. And we'll catch you all next week on Retire with Style. Thanks, everyone. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.